0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Today, I'm joined by Derek Melender, who is the head strength and conditioning coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Derek is gonna share his personal journey with us today. He's also gonna share some important insights and knowledge for you to consider if you're writing strength programs for basketball players. Now, before we get to this amazing episode, Here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by CTM Band and CTM Recovery Products. These are the exact soft tissue recovery tools that I'm using on myself and with my patients day in and day out. CTM Band was founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling, a sports medicine practitioner who treats professional athletes. And he was a former guest on the Braun Body Health and Fitness Podcast. You can check out his website at the link below and use the coupon code Braun10 to save 10% off your order from CTM Band. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you on today, man.
1: Thank you, Dan. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here and excited to connect with your audience today.
0: So for people who aren't familiar with you and your journey to where you're currently at with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, would you mind kind of filling us in a little bit about how you got into strength and conditioning and where you got started? Yeah,
1: I think for me, um, how I got started was, um, you know, as a kid, I love the game of basketball. I, you know, grew up in a a single parent home, you know, spent quite a bit of time um, by myself um, in the Panhandle area in Florida and basketball was my outlet you know it's one of those sports that you know you don't really have to have someone to participate you know early on so it was just you know me and my hoop and my ball and um you know i traveled around the neighborhood you know wherever I could go and just either find someone to play with you know being an only child or just um you know script you know uh, hitting game winners you know in the backyard or or, or at the park so my, my love for training and conditioning, I would say, started just as as uh, my love for basketball grew. And I knew, hey, like, you know, this game is about, um, uh, you know, it's physical. This game is about being explosive. This game is about, you know, being strong. This game is about being durable. This game is about recovering from from injuries or not getting injured. And, you know, as I got older and went into high school and started playing sports and you start getting little nagging things that happen to you or just like, man, that's annoying that I rolled my ankle and I, I jammed my finger. My finger is swollen. I can't do what I want to do. So the, the mind started thinking like, well, like how could I have prevented that? Or, you know, we had an athletic trainer that was treating us and I would ask them questions like, hey, just, I just, I'm just curious. Is, is there anything I can do to get the swelling out of my finger faster? Is, is, there, is there exercises? Is, you know, how about my ankle here? Is there anything I can do Um, to help that not happen again. Or, you know, my groin feels a little weak. Is there anything I can do to help strengthen my groin? Or like, what is that call? Like, why is that weak? So I think that, you know, inquisitive mind about, you know, performance and training conditioning started just as a, uh, just as a kid, which is, you know, wanting to jump higher. And, you know, I grew up in a time where, you know, a lot of my friends, we were like, who was going to be the first one in our group to dunk the basketball? You know, and that was just that was the thing for us, you know, as kids. And we were all practicing, you know, on smaller hoops. And, you know, we wanted to be the first one um, in our group to dunk. So I would say that's how the inception started. You know, that's where that seed started to plant. Uh, Just being curious about how can I be a better, you know, basketball player as a kid.
0: That's awesome. I love that journey. And I love that (laughs) exercise was kind of your go to, as you said, your outlet. I feel like I have to ask though, were you the first one to dunk the basketball in your friend group? <laughs> you know, I, 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 wasn't the first, but I was
1: definitely one of the first ones to, to grab the rim. And that was how you, you know, it, it's, everything's about a progression. So it was, we got to grab the rim first, you know, and that happened and I think in, in the sixth grade. And then it was, Hey, like, you know, the tennis ball first, you know, then at the time didn't have the biggest hand. So we're going to dunk the volleyball and, and then we progressed, you know, from so forth. So by the time I got to ninth grade, you know, I was able to to dunk, but it was a goal. It was cool. Again, that there was no, it was just us playing around, you know, hey, let's let's jump rope. Hey, I, I heard that if you wear this weighted vest, it can help you jump higher. Just kids sharing information, you know, trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah, trial and error. That's awesome. And throughout yeah. that whole time, you were able to bond closer to one another and you're yeah. able to get better at basketball. I don't know too many high school freshmen that were dunking basketballs personally anyways.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, you know, so for I think it goes back to, you know, being an only child and, you know, your teammates, you know, being being like your family, your brothers and, and just understanding how important that team dynamic is. So I think that that cultivation of how I appreciate and understand now how sacred and powerful that lake, that locker room is for guys. I got a chance to experience that as a kid because it was my big support system.
0: Right, right. It's it's more than a team, right? Your team is more than just inside of the walls of the locker room and the sport that you're playing. It's a lot of other life implications as well. That coach might have an impact on you that you carry with you forever moving forward. Right? Like I still remember good coaches that I had and bad coaches that I had. And I remember good teams that I was on and teams that didn't really have a good mindset and mentality And the good ones, boy, do they stick with you and the lessons you learn.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I never forget, you know, our athletic director, uh, you know, he told me, he sat down with me going into my senior year and he said, you know, you know, you need to get stronger. And I looked at him and I was like, I mean, what do you mean? Like, I'm, you know, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm playing hard. I'm, you know, I'm getting minutes and I felt good about where I was at. And at the time, again, I, you know, the, the basketball coach, his, his idea of, of team lifts was, you know, locking us into the gym, like into the weight room for an hour. Just like, you guys are in there, there was no guidance, you know, and what do you think, you know, 15, 16 year old kids do? It's like, okay, well let's, let's see who can bench the most, you know? And that, <laughs> so that, you know, that was my first exposure to it. And again, that gets, you know, when, when that gets boring you know, okay, Hey, let's do some curls or some dips. And, um, so now just, you know, having gone, you know, through it and, and being where I'm at in the profession I realized just how important um, having resources for younger athletes to get exposed to strength and conditioning um, appropriately. Again, because if you have a bad experience from the beginning, um, it could taint, you know, the, the way you perceive the value in it. And you know, it's one of those things that, hey, I, I wonder, or I wish, you know, I would have had, you know, these great passionate high school strength coaches that are out there now you know, that understand the value they have in this field and how impressionable young athletes are. And, you know, if you can mold them from the beginning, help them understand um, exactly how important it is to move correctly, you know, versus trying to to add on bulk or put the most weight on the bar. um, I think a lot of these kids um, can have a better opportunity to play at different levels, um, you know, of the next level of their sport, if they get that proper training, you know, from the beginning.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right. I think back to my own high school football days, and I was the kicker on the high school football team, and I had the second highest bench press on the team. That that doesn't really go together that well, right? You know, I should have had like the second highest squat or deadlift or something more (laughs) leg oriented, but instead, I think I was hitting upper body like four or five times a week. So I completely agree that the increase in knowledge and awareness in the strength and conditioning field in younger athletes is going to continue to have a positive impact moving forward. And that's something that we're going to start seeing if we haven't already started to see carry over to professional sports, right? You're going to see more guys in the MLB throwing hundred miles an hour and more guys hitting 500 foot home runs. And in the NBA, I think that there's been a increase in the star players, at least from what I've seen, like the total number of star players, over the past few years, like it seems like every team in the playoffs had a pretty stacked roster, right? Like the Brooklyn Nets were seventh in the East this year, seventh ranked, and they had KD, they had Kyrie, like they had a pretty stacked lineup overall. So it's just kind of amazing to see the effects of that strength and conditioning later down the line.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, again, I think um, it's great to see where our, our profession has progressed to and you know definitely thankful you know to be a part of it but i definitely realize how impactful the stream of coaches that are you know may not be at this professional level but those coaches that are at the collegiate level the high school level the private sector you know just keep going you know keep going there's 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 more athletes there's more amateur athletes than professional athletes and i feel like they just need to know that they are doing you know good work and we need we need athletes you know, even if, you're, if you don't have aspirations to become a professional athlete, to just learn, you know, how to take care of your body, you know, mm-hmm. to learn, you know, balance, you know, between the anterior and posterior chain of your body, understand the importance of lower body training. I know aesthetically, you know, you may get more compliments on, you know, upper extremity or front side of your body, but just teaching the kids, uh, hey, like if you want to be functional, you want to be able to do to play sports for a long time, you know, even when you're older like you got to start doing these things now to help give your body the resiliency to last.
0: Yeah. 100%. I'm curious. So we've talked a little bit about your athletic upbringing and your early interests in exercise. How did that carry on for you moving forward as far as kind of the next phase of life for you <laughs> after high school?
1: You know, for me, I, I knew going, you know, graduating high school that I wasn't going to be um, a collegiate athlete. And I, you know, again, I, Back when I came into college in 2000, you know, um, dating myself with that, you know, strength and conditioning was a fairly young, still a young field. I mean, it, it wasn't like it is now, where you know there's actually curriculums and institutions where you can go and really just focus and have you know clear cut path to you know this industry. It, it was kind of a broad spectrum of things you could do. You could be an exercise physiologist, or maybe you could be a physical education teacher. Um, And those were, you know, pretty much your two options that you really, you know, were, you know, promoted, you know, um, you know, at that time. So I went into college just knowing, hey, I just, I'm going to major in exercise physiology. Um, I'm going to just try to see how much I can learn and we'll just see, you know, what happens. I really didn't have a goal at the time. Uh, Specifically, I just knew I was passionate about fitness. Um, But I still had that love for basketball. So um my second year in college I wind up connecting with the men's basketball team and you know I just I let them know that hey this is my I'm majoring in exercise physiology you know I played basketball in high school I just is there any way I could help out anything I could I can do you know I'm really interested in in, in the weight room aspect of it as well and you know they allowed me to come on as a um, as a manager You know, so essentially what I was doing was just, you know, helping get getting things ready for practice, Um, you know, cleaning things up, you know, during and after practice. You know, because I, you know, played in high school, I was able to participate in drills, you know, during practice at times, which was, you know, fun for me to still kind of get my, um, you know, fix in the sport. And then slowly I began to build a relationship with the strength coach that they had working with the men's basketball team. Uh, again, I think at first he was, you know, very much, you know, guarded. Uh, so I had to, you know, work my way in to allow him to let me, you know, watch from afar what, what was happening in the weight room. And then within time, he allowed me to come in there and actually, you know, help set up things, you know, for the workout and just watch. And then I could ask questions. And so that's how I, how I started. And then I was fortunate enough to be able to see, you know, in-season basketball training, strength conditioning training for basketball players. and and off season, you know, preparation training as well, too. So that's how I initially started to see like, wow, like, like, this, this, this next level of basketball that I didn't get a chance to play, I'm able to see exactly, you know, what these guys are doing and how they're able to play at this level. So that's how it how it started.
0: Right. And it sounds like you seeking out those extra opportunities paid dividends for you later on in your career, because you went on to pursue opportunities, I think, with the Cleveland guardians baseball organization and a couple uh, colleges in Cleveland as well. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So when I first, you know, is when I first graduated college, um, I actually, you know, moved um, to a bigger city in Florida, Tampa and I started working in, in the private sector as a personal trainer. And again, I didn't know anything at all. I was what they called a, a premier trainer And it was so hard to try to build, um, to try to get credibility and and, and get clients, you know, at, at 20, you know, 20 years old. And I was 20, it was really tough. And I was learning, okay, the profession is you have to try to get clients early in the morning before they go to work. And then there's this dull period during the day where, you know, you can only really work with people that, you know, have jobs where they're staying at home. And I didn't, I didn't have the experience yet to be able to work with you know, that older client that may have had specific conditions that I hadn't been exposed to yet. So the next time I could potentially train again was in the afternoon after the after work crowd. So I had all this time during the middle of the day you know that I needed to, to fill. So I wind up finding um, an outpatient physical therapy facility that was looking for an exercise tech, you know, someone to help the physical therapist um, you know, with the rehab. So I, I applied for that. It was a, a full-time 40 hours a week with benefits. And and I was excited about that opportunity because the personal training, you know, only had a few clients and I had just so much downtime and I needed to stay busy and I wanted to feel like I was being productive. So I, I, I kept a personal training job, but then I started my full-time job with this outpatient PT clinic. And I think it really molded, it, you know, me in, in the profession because I started to learn, the importance of injury prevention and thinking about, hey, you know, improper programming um, or, you know, lack of understanding, you know, you are potentially putting athletes at risk or not preparing them for competition. So I started to seeing, you know, ACL, you know, rehabs, rotator cuff rehabs, shoulder, hip, you know, labrum rehabs. Again, a lot of these things were, you know, workers comp issues, but, you know, we would get some, some high school athletes in there but that part what I really started to get excited about learning, Hey, like this, why, you know, this particular muscle of the leg is important. You know, if the BMO isn't firing or after surgery, if that's not firing, that's going to prevent the knee from tracking correctly. Then we started looking at shoulder injuries and we started learning about, Hey, like if your scapula, you know, if you don't have control over it, you know, it it doesn't matter. All these rotator cuff exercises you're doing, you're not going to have stability. So like, ah, you know, I get it. So that's how I, I think, again, I was, more so thinking about globally big muscles, you know, working and firing and and asymmetry between. But then I started learning about the preventative side of it. And then the rehab side of it and how they are intertwined. You know, you can't just be focused on, you know, um, traditional uh, compound movements in the weight room. You have to also focus on the small intricate muscles, you know, of the body to help give stability for the bigger muscles. So that was another move that I made that I think really helped me, to where I'm at today was that time I spent at that facility.
0: I love that insight and I completely agree with everything you said there. I've got kind of a similar background in that I've got the physical therapy degree and I've got the personal training exercise science background and I think that a lot of people are, I'll say, afraid that physical therapy and strength and conditioning overlap a lot more than we think, right? In most physical (laughs) therapy facilities, You walk in and they're giving, you know, three sets of 10 or three sets of 15 of an exercise that's light. It's not really meant to overload the tissue in the same way as a bench press would. And there's value in it, but there's also not value in it. So there's value in the sense that you're getting what we call neuro reeducation, right? I'm connecting my mind to the muscle in order to help use this better, use it more. But I also need to make sure that I overload because if I just do the same thing over and over and over again, I'm probably not going to get anywhere, right? We know from strength and conditioning, if you stay at the same program, same resistance, everything like that long term, you're not going to see the results that you want. So I love that you're able to kind of blend that physical therapy, rehabilitation and preventative side of things in with the training, exercise, strength and conditioning realm, Because again, at least for me personally, I feel like that's an area that's not discussed enough. It's kind of a gray area that not enough people are in currently. And again, I'm not sure if that's just people being fearful or not knowledgeable or what the main thing is, but we need more people to kind of fill in that middle ground between PT and strength and conditioning, I think.
1: Yeah, so I, I agree. I think, you know, so having that experience. All it did was give me, you know, the hunger, you know, to want more and and I wanted to do more. It was frustrating at times in that environment because when we would get these, you know, younger athletes in there, you know, when we got to a point where it was time to do some more, you know, dynamic, you know, movements, insurance would no longer cover and we just had to give them a take home program and send them away. And that was kind of a bummer for me because now, you know, that was the opportunity that I could actually do some of the things that I felt like, you know, that I was better at, you know, or that were you know, funner for me at that time in my career. Um, so I kept chipping away at it. And then eventually, actually, this is actually funny, you know, my, my workout partner that I would work out with after work. And um, he said, Hey, I actually have a friend, you know, that um, he's the head strength coach for the university of South Florida. Um, you know, and they, you know, they have uh, positions there and I don't know, if that could help you, but I think you would do well in a team setting. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I, I check it out. So I actually um, reached out, you know, to his friend and had a conversation with him and he said, Hey, all I have is right now is I, I have this internship program. It, it's unpaid internship program, working with the football team. You know, you're, if you're interested in that, you know, you, I, we can bring you in and interview, interview you and we can see, you know, how it goes from there. But just so you know, it is, it is unpaid. And so I was like, okay, that's, you know, I, well, I got to at least just have a conversation with them. So again, I went to, to the facility and to the campus and to the weight room blown away. You know, again, this is it's just at the time when he versus South Florida was converting over to the big East. And I walked into this amazing, you know, weight room with, you know, racks as, you know, I feel like as far as the eye can see and all this plate loaded equipment and um, overlooking the practice facility. So just blown away with that, you know, even though, I had had the basketball experience and uh, this, this football environment was very intriguing to me, you know. So I wind up interviewing, you know, well enough for them to offer me the internship opportunity and I had to make a decision. You know, it was basically, you know, quit the full time job, you know, with the benefits and stability or go take on, you know, this um this internship opportunity and the only income I would have would be the personal training that I would be able to do maybe before or or after my internship hours. So I wind up, you know, quitting a full-time job and, you know, um, taking this internship opportunity at the University of South Florida. And it was an amazing experience. Uh, You know, it was a very competitive environment. It was probably at least 10 to 12, you know, uh, interns there with me and it was fast paced and busy. And, you know, I enjoyed every minute of it. I was so exhausted, you know, every night when I got home, you know, just from the constant, you know, I'm learning and processing, moving, trying to help. And uh, eventually, I would say a few months into it, the, the head strength coach called me in his office and he said, hey, the, um, the Yankees are looking for someone um, to help out for their, their, their spring training. You know, it's just, uh, just during spring training. It's, it's just for these hours. Um, and then when, when spring training is over, you know, that, that will be it. Um, but it is an opportunity for you to get some experience, you know, um, in the field. And I thought about it and I just said, coach, um, that, you know, the only income I have coming in right now is just from this personal training. And I have to do it early in the morning before I come here. If I don't have that, I, I literally, I just, that's the only income I have. And I felt horrible saying that because I felt like, and I was, you know, closing the door on an opportunity, you know, that he was giving me. But literally, I had no other, I had no other means, so I had to decline, you know. So that was, I was pretty bummed about that, just because I didn't know if he would take that, like, you know, I wasn't appreciative or like I, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't do whatever I could to to make it work. So I just, you know, kept working. And he came back again. And he said, "Hey, the um, the Cleveland Indians, you know, are looking for someone." Um, you know, for spring training, but also to go into, into a into a season with them, you know, in the minor leagues. And I was like, wow, this, this baseball, you know, opportunity thing, it just keeps coming my way. And I'm not, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't looking for that, you know, like I was really enjoying football. And obviously I had my passion for basketball and baseball just kept coming up. So I said, sure. Okay. I'll, you know, I'll go have a conversation because this one was a little different because it was a full-time you know, basically for a full season, you know, I would be with my own team. And I thought that could be pretty cool, you know, just to learn, you know, more about, about that sport and what that programming looks like. So I went and I interviewed and it, that was a very intimidating interview. Um, you know, the guy that, uh, you know, I, I interviewed with, you know, stoic, you know, you know, uh, demeanor and there was a full room of these, uh, you know, established strength coaches, a very well organized, you know, system there. And I was intimidated, but I wind up being able to interview well enough to, for them to offer me the job, and I wind up taking it. And so I spent two years, you know, in the minor leagues, in, in Major League Baseball, um, at the time with the Cleveland Indians, and it was an amazing experience for me. Uh, again, playing basically seven days a week, maybe you get one day off a week, you know, we're traveling on buses, you know, all up the Northeast, you know, late nights, uh, it is it's an experience, you know, anybody that's ever, you know, worked in a, in a minor leagues knows that is a, it is a grind and, you know, you have limited resources and it's all hands on deck with not just things that, you know, you're interested in, you know, you're not just worried about lifting guys. You have to help loading equipment on the bus, unloading equipment on the bus. You know, you may be making players, you may be making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the guys, you know, pregame, you know, there's just, you know, you're you're collecting gear and helping you know making sure guys clothes get washed it's just it's a lot you know so you learn a lot about you know being selfless and being part of a team in that environment so that was that was my baseball experience and what was fun about that was so my second year into it um you know I get a call I get a call from my boss you know so he's he's in Cleveland with the big league team and he reaches out and he says hey um you know, my neighbor, you know, in Cleveland is assistant basketball coach at, at Cleveland State University, and they're looking for for a head strength coach. And this is June, you know, so our, our season had been on the way, you know, for, for a couple of months. So I'm thinking, you know, his name's Tim, Tim Maxis. So I said, oh, Tim, he's testing me right now. You know, Tim's really big on loyalty, and he always told us that, um, you know, the best job you have, you know, the best job is the one you have. So I said, hey, he's testing me. So I said, he know, I think he knows that I love basketball and, you know, but I said, no, Tim, thank you. I appreciate the offer uh, for letting me know I'm, I'm locked in. I'm excited. You know, the team's playing well. Uh, I'm hoping we can make a playoff run, you know, that kind of thing. He says, no, like this is, this is something serious, you know, um, you know, I know this guy, you know, well, and, you know, this could be a good opportunity for you. You know, I, I know you've expressed interest in going back to school to get your master's um you know there may be some opportunity for you tied into this as well too and again I just I said I don't know I think Tim this is I don't I said thank you Tim I appreciate it you know I I, um so then I called my coordinator which is the person that I deal with you you know daily I said hey Tim just called me and I know he was testing me and I, I told him no but I you know there's a job opportunity at Cleveland State and he was asking me if I was interested and he says, hey wait a second like I've already spoke to Tim, this is, this is serious. You know, you have our support, you know, if, if you want to go through with this, um, you know, this is your window to do it right now. So, you know, we, you know, you have our support. If you want to look at it, go look at it. I said, wow, I I, I never expected that. So I had no idea. I didn't know anything about Cleveland State University. So I was trying to quickly do some research and set, you know, before I had to, to go interview. So I went and I interviewed and, Again, I sat down with the head coach and some of his assistant coaches and he had this vision board, Gary Waters, he had this vision board in his office over the next five years, you know, what his plan was, you know, how many games he wanted to win, um, you know, what teams he wanted to play, um, the the kind of players he wanted to to recruit and and that he wanted to develop and he had it all laid out. I was like, boy, I had never, you know, been exposed to that kind of, you know, pitch before. And the conversation was going very well to the point that he decided to bring the A D into the room. And then the A D came in and I he introduced himself to me. And I was like, wow, this this guy, you know, his presence, you know, and the the support they have, the resources, you know. And then the women's basketball coach, you know, she came in, you know, and she was telling me more about, you know, her program and her background. And it was just a great experience for me. They actually offered me the job on the spot there. And I, said, awesome. whoa. I said, Whoa. I said, whoa. I said, guys, I can't. I, I can't do that. I can't, you know, I can't answer that now. I have to go back and I got to talk to Tim. I'm just fortunate that he even let me do this because I'm still in season, you know, with my baseball team. So I drove, I drove back at the time I was with the Akron Aeros, Double A AA team. I drove back to Akron and I had a, it was a work day for me. And as you could imagine, my head was spinning and I'm like, what just, what just happened? You know, like I, I had no idea that, you know, that could, that could happen. You know, so I, you know, got back in contact with Tim and I said, Hey, like it was, it was really good. I, 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 I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, they want me, you know, I mean, they offered me, you know, the job and I just, and I was like, kind of nervous, didn't know what his reaction was going to be. Cause again, he's, you know, the best job is the one you have mentality. Um, but, you know, he gave me his blessing and you know, he said, Hey, you know, I, I, I do think that this is, you know, probably the right move for you. And I was worried about, well, Tim, what about, the team, And, you know, should I just finish the season and then, you know, go after that? He's like, no, like it's, you know, if you're going to do it, it has to be now, you know, we'll figure it out on our end. You know, you know, we'll just need, you know, a couple more weeks, you know, here and then, you know, make sure all your reports are up to date and, you know, you can go. So, you know, that's what I did. You know, I went on and started my next journey, you know, at Cleveland State University as the head training conditioning coach, where I was responsible for, for 17 sports, Uh, men's basketball was, you know, my most um, important sport that I had to, I had to manage. And also I started, you know, right away um, taking classes at night, you know, to to work on my master's. So it was a great experience for me, Um, just, you know, having to, you know, manage a small staff, you know, but a staff Um, and having two different facilities that I was responsible for in terms of, you know, organizing, cleaning, you know, ordering equipment for them, you know, uh, with uh, a limited budget. So I had to be creative and resourceful. Um, So I I definitely uh, give a lot of credit to that situation, helped me understand, you know, how to maximize what I had and focus on the things that I had instead of the things that I didn't have. And it was a great experience. Again, even though, men's basketball was, you know, gave me a lot of pleasure. We had a lot of success, but having to meet with other sports coaches like the the tennis coaches or, you know, the swimming, you know, or fencing, volleyball, and and having to hear exactly what their needs are and, you know, and what they needed from our department and try to find a way to make sure they got the time that they needed with us. Uh, So it was a really good experience for me in my career.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, Derek. And it seems like a lot of your opportunities presented yourself, presented themselves to you because of the kind of person you are. It seems like you have a very strong drive, a strong work ethic, and you just kind of worked for the betterment of everyone around you. You have that team mindset that we've talked about a few times. And to me, that's a huge takeaway because a lot of people these days, whether it's the strength and conditioning realm and exercise in the gym wherever, people are always thinking about the person in the mirror, they're thinking about themselves. And it's kind of rare anymore, at least from my experience that I see people like yourself that are giving freely to all of those around them, right? You know, in the gym, people go in, they train, they leave, that's it. I don't often see people go into the gym and, you know, talk to other people, engage with other people and be like, hey, can I, you know, do you need a spot for that? Or hey, can I get a spot for this, right? Like, more of the community approach, I'll say. And it seems to me like your overall team mindset that we've talked about a few times and your overall work ethic and drive and the kind of person that you are really helped you get all of those additional opportunities. Because like when you were in Florida, you mentioned that there was other interns there. Those other interns could have been given the opportunity to go uh, see the Yankees or go work with the Cleveland baseball team, right? But they chose you. So, to me, that stands out because you stood out amongst a crowd of how many strength coaches, right?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what I want to make sure that I um, articulate to the audience is, is that, you know, whatever, you know, success is subjective. You know, I, I, I can't tell you you're successful. You can't tell me. Like, it, it's all subjective and, and to what it is you want success to be in your life. But I can say that people, Help you get through life, you know. I, I, you know, again, we can. You can be very driven, you know, very knowledgeable. You can be at the right place at the right time, all those things. But I do believe that people have to invest in other people, and that's what happened to me um, along along my way. People invested in me. People gave me opportunities. And again, some, a lot of people I didn't even mention, you know, that were there for me, but they just felt compelled to go the extra mile, you know, um, to help me get to that next step. So I'm thankful for all those little, you know, small, you know, maybe even like six month relation, micro relationships with people that, for, you know, we just aligned up for that period of time, you know, and hopefully I was able to help them and, and they helped me. And then we continued, you know, on our path, but you, you know, you can't go through this journey um, without having support from people, um, you know, from your peers. So just make sure that, you know, leave places in the right place. You know, obviously, you know, you want to you got to continue to try to move up and stay hungry, but do your best um, to communicate and give people um, the respect, you know, that, you know, have given you an opportunity. But people play a big role, you know, in your success. You, you can only do so much on your own.
0: Right, right. I like to say that you can't go through life with a catcher's mitt in both hands. You have to mm-hmm. throw something back. Right. So After your time at Cleveland State, that's when you went on to join the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's where it got, it, it got really interesting. So when I was at Cleveland state, you know, university, um, from time to time, we would practice at the calves practice facility. And again, I, I was in a mid-major school and I had a, a small setup. So whenever we go and practice at the calves facility and I got a chance to see the weight room, uh, you know, I couldn't concentrate. I was like, this, this. <laughs> this gadget, this toy, you know, oh, I was reading up and I saw this or I saw a video. I've never seen it in person. I can actually put my hands on. It, I can actually use it. So it was just like, um, you know, in a, like a fantasy land for me. Like, I just it was just I was just so thankful to be able to get exposed to, you know, this type of facility. It's something that I had almost like dreamed of just as a as a young stream coach in a, in a small mid-major situation. Um, so one of those visits happened. I got a chance to connect with the strength coach there, um, you know, Stan Kellers. And, he, you know, he, he actually was a Cleveland State alumni. And I was like, oh, wow, this is great. You know, we have that connection. Um, so he reached out to me at that time. This is when LeBron first was in Cleveland. Um, they were in the playoffs and he said, hey, I, I would um, I need some help for some draft workouts. You know, we're in the playoffs and, you know, we're, we're on the road you know, I would like for you, if you could, you know, come in and help with the draft workouts. And I was like, sure, you know, let me, let me ask for permission and see see if they'll let me, you know, Mm -hmm. so I went to our, our athletic director and our head coach and I said, Hey, this is, this is an opportunity. Hopefully, you know, we can make it work. I can, I can learn and bring some of these things back and we can start using some of these same tools to help our guys. But I think it would be great for me if I can be a part of of the draft process. And they said, yeah, sure. You know, just, just obviously making sure it doesn't interfere with what, what you need to do here, but, you know, you can go do that. So, I, so for that time period, I helped out, you know, for a couple of sessions in the summer and I was, you know, so excited. And and um, you know, I reached back out to the strength coach and said, hey, thank you for the opportunity. You know, um, if there's anything else I can do, let me know. And um, he was just quiet. It was just crickets. I was like, huh, okay, well, Uh, you know, I just, you know, kept doing my job. That was that summer. So, so then the fall comes around and the fall, you know, they were getting ready for training camp. So again, I hadn't heard anything from him, you know, since, since the early summer and he reached back out again, he says, Hey, like, you know, um, you know, we training camps coming up and, you know, we could use an extra pair of hands, you know, just to help out here, you know, in a weight room, help out during practice, just, you know, hold a mop, clean the floor, whatever we need. Um, but we could use an extra pair of hands I said, sure, I'll, I'll ask and see what I can do. Uh, so sure enough, they, they agreed to it and, you know, I would help out, you know, so I helped out during training camp again, I would email them back. thank for the opportunity, quiet, nothing. <laughs> so I was like, I, <laughs> you know, I never really knew how I was doing, you know, I, I knew, Hey, this was the second time that he reached back out, but it, you know, there wasn't any dialogue, in, you know, in between, you know, those, uh, encounters. You know, so I just, I didn't know if, if he liked me or, or I was just someone he just, he would just use, you know, when he needed me. So I just kind of kept my head down and tried to keep focused on my situation there at Cleveland State. Our athletic director wind up getting um, a job at Georgetown University and he left, which is a big deal for us because like one of our, one of our very own, you know, is now going to the Big East, a bigger conference. And that's, we're like... I feel like it, like at that level, like when, when someone gets a promotion or gets to move on, like we all feel like like we won, you know. We all got, you know, so we were all excited for him. And he happened to reach out to me and says, hey, like, you know, we're, you know, we're looking to, to make some changes here. And, you know, I would love to bring you on, and, you know, interview here for our, our head strength coach position. And I, I was like, yes, yeah, like that would be awesome. Like, you know, Big East, all the history there in Georgetown. I think that would be amazing. Um, so I was in the process of trying to put together my resume. So I reached out to the head strength coach for the Cavs and I said, Hey, I, um, I know it's been a while, you know, since we spoke, but I just wanted to see if, if I could use you as a reference to have an opportunity to interview at Georgetown university. I'm really excited about it. You know, can I, can I put you down as one of my references? And he said, well, um, have you ever thought about working, working with me? And I said, no. um, <laughs> actually, no, I I said, I didn't, I didn't really know if, you know, how you felt about, about me in these situations, because we haven't, you know, really talked. He was like, yeah, well, you know, there's some things that are changing around here. We're bringing in a new head coach. Uh, We're probably going to make some changes on the staff. Um, You know, are you interested? I said, yes, I I am, you know, but I'm, um, I I have to get back to Georgetown. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for that, you know, for that interview. He says, okay. And so it went from him, you know, not responding to my emails or anything to him. He was literally was texting me every day. And he just, he texted me in the morning, you know, first thing in the morning. He said, hey, you know, you know, you know, what are you doing today? You know, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm working, you know, what's going <laughs> on? You know, and he's just like making casual conversation. And I was just so blown away. So it was like probably about a week staying where literally we would talk, if not every day, you know, every other day. And it was just kind of small talk. Going through this process, you know, with, with Georgetown, trying to trying to see how that's going to play out, and then he says, "Hey, well, you know, we just hired our new head coach, and um, you know, he wants to meet you. I've been talking about you. You know, do you have time to have lunch with him later on this week?" And I said, "Sure." So I I, I meet the head coach, you know, for lunch, and um, it's Byron Scott, you know, this you know L. A. Laker legend, and I'm like, "Wow, this is unbelievable right now, having." Mm-hmm. I'm having, I'm having lunch with Byron Scott and, uh, you know, we had a great conversation, you know, during lunch and I think this is important, you know, for the listeners to know that, you know, the majority of the conversation was about, like, my background and, you know, uh, you know my upbringing and, uh, like, who am I as a person and, and hobbies. It was very little about strength and conditioning, you know, he, he wasn't interested in you know, hey, what did you get your, you know, degree in, you know, and, you know, know, what's your philosophy on this? It was really more about, you know, the person side of it. So I was, I learned that I learned like, okay, like people want to know like the, the connection with who you are as a human and like, does your personality fit, you know, you know, their, their environment, you know, these are the things that are very important, just as much as it's important for you to have this degree and have these certifications. Like, you know, you have to have a certain kind of personality that people, you know, want to be around. So things worked out well with the head coach, and I got his I got his okay. And then the head, the head trainer coach brought me on as an assistant. So that's how I started um, in the NBA.
0: I love that point that you made about the importance of personality and the importance of understanding who someone is, because we're we're entering a I'll I'll call it like a phase of life or phase of society where it seems like everyone wants to argue about what they know and what they don't know online. I've made this point a few times, but essentially I see a lot of people saying, well, you know, the sumo deadlift is better than the conventional deadlift. And here's why, or, Hey, you know, deadlifting is terrible for you. No one should deadlift. It's terrible for your back. And then they go on and on and on about these little specific things that are kind of like sand in the jar of life, right? You've, It's the uh, analogy of a jar with rocks and sand in it. So we start arguing about these little things that don't really matter. And we miss the big picture things, the rocks in the jar, not the sand, the rocks, the things that are like, hey, is this person even able to coach someone? Do they have experiences that will relate to my athlete? You know, forget which deadlift variation is the best. Is this person going to be a good fit for our organization first? Because if they're not, then who cares how much they know, right? I've seen people who have, you know, three, four doctorate degrees, they're basically a walking human computer about a certain subject, but they have a hard time explaining what they know to people. And to me, being an expert or being a genius is being able to take something so complex and complicated, in this case, the human body in the realm of human performance, and simplifying it to a level that anyone can understand it and anyone can improve based on your insight and advice. And to me, it seems like that's exactly what you've been doing.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I definitely, you know, wouldn't consider myself, you know, an expert in many things, you know, in life, um, you know, gonna always just be a life learner. Um, and just being honest with you know, I, I don't know everything, uh, but I get excited about learning, you know, new things. And I get excited that, you know, every year I get a chance. You know, I choose you know to continue to grow and to get better, and I'm going to be a better strength coach. Um, you know, every every single year, and you know, trying just to be be kind to myself and know that you know you can't you can't learn it all at one time, and you know you always you always can learn more and and be humbled. And when you're dealing with people, you always have to be willing to change and be adaptable, um, because again that that maybe that theory or you know, that program, that philosophy, it, 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 it works, but it may not work for, for this athlete. And that athlete, all, all the athlete wants to know is that you're making something individualized for, for them and you're listening to them. So they've, they've given you feedback on, hey, like, I don't like to do that. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't like to do that. So I have a decision to make. Do I spend energy trying to prove to them that I know more than them and that I know what's best for them more than they do? Or do I meet them where they're at and work with them and listen and let them know, hey, I, I care. I care about your thoughts, your opinion. I care about, you know, your input on your body. And so let's start with that. Let's start with that. You know, let me build your trust and let me, let me show you that I'm willing to start where you're at. And then within time, the goal is to try to, you know, give that athlete what I have that I know, okay, hey, we're going gonna, we're gonna to continue to do these things that you're comfortable with but I'm going to slowly start adding these things into your program because I know, you know, these things are going to help you as well too. I'm not taking away these things right now that I know you really love and you've had success with, especially at a professional level. Like, Hey, if a guy's already been in the league for a amount of time and they've had success, they maybe won championships, they've been an all-star, you know, it'd be very foolish of you to try to go in and try to extract things that have have given them, you know, um, given them success and part of their routine. So you got to just be patient with that in terms of building relationship and, 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 and let the trust happen, but you can't, you can't force it.
0: Right, and that trust goes beyond the connection and the performance too, right? Because you're connecting with the athlete in front of you, you're connecting with the uh, person on an individual level, and that's going to carry over, well, one in performance, but two in injury prevention, right? If someone starts coming in and they say, hey, you know, my lower back's really bothering me today, and you say, well, you know, we've got three rep max squats program, so we need to do this, period. And you don't individualize the session each time to that specific athlete's uh, needs or overall how they present, then you're really doing them a disservice and setting them up for catastrophe, for lack of a better way to put it, right? So I think that, that to that point, you have to hear out whoever you're working with, the athlete, the patient, the client, whoever, whatever setting it is, hear them out every single time they walk in and ask them, how are you doing today? And really get to the bottom of it. It only takes, what, 30, 60 seconds to ask, hey, how are you doing? Did you sleep okay? You know, eat breakfast this morning, whatever that way, because sometimes everything, you know, all all check marks go and, you know, all systems go and you just take off with it. But sometimes you have someone who comes in and they say, Hey, you know, last night was rough. I only got three hours of sleep. I haven't eaten since, you know, last night, pretty hungry. You know, this is kind of sore and achy and they're just down and out. And if you don't take the time to ask about those things, you might push someone through a session. That's a lot more challenging than their body's able to withstand at that point. And being able to recognize sometimes it's bigger than just exercise or the programmed session for that day. And it's more about the person, I think is a huge takeaway.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, I, again, it's just, um, you know, some of the basic, you know, communication, you know, skills that you learn, you know, hopefully at a young age and hello, good morning. How are you? You know, Uh, pause, you know, take a second listen, process, you know, and then, and then move forward. So that that's typically how, you know, my day starts with our guys.
0: That's awesome. So as far as working with some of the best basketball players in the world, in the NBA, I'm curious, how does your exercise sessions or exercise programming look for them in general? Like how would you program a workout for like a point guard versus a power forward or something along those lines?
1: Yeah. So we, you know, um, again, I got to go back to our, our team, you know, that we have, we have a really, um, We have a really talented group of of, uh, performance staff that I work with and, you know, from ATCs, you know, physical therapists, um, nutritionists, massage therapists, um, you know, sports science, you know, specialists. So, you know, there's a lot of resources, you know, that I have access to to help me um, take these guys through performance testing you know, so sports psychologists as well too. So again, there's a lot of different things that we assess from the very beginning to get baseline information and that helps us to um, start with the programming process. So we, we, we do our part and collect the data and then um, you have to have the ability to, to ask the athletes questions and trust and trust in what they're going to give you, even though I think, you know, we're very confident and we know that we're, we're getting good information and we have a pretty good idea of what that athlete needs. Also, we have access to their injury history and we use all those things. But again, you can't miss the step of talking to the athlete for them to, take. hey, like that guy says, well, I I just don't like lifting before practice. I just, it it, is not me, you know, or, hey, I just, I don't like lifting the day before game, you know, it's just, just not me, you know? So again, I think it's okay. understand that. And also know the schedule is fast paced. There's not a lot of time and if that's what that player wants then we got to figure out like how do we get these uh, sessions in that we need to make sure that they're ready to go um, so again it's, it's individualized to answer your question you know player by player depending on exactly what their prior experiences have been will, will, will dictate sometimes you know what we're doing um, if it's a veteran player or an experienced player if it's a younger player our goal is um, to basically number one goal is to try to expose them to as many things as we can um, that's not overwhelming them when they first start to help them start to develop a routine it's one of the best things you can have as a a young athlete professional athlete is a routine because that can give you some stability in the highs and the lows okay hey maybe you had a bad game but that's okay we always get our lift in at no after the game okay you had a good game okay great we always get our lift in after the game. So it, it gives them some sense of stability where regardless of what happens on that court, this is something that you can control, you know, your routine. So that's one of the big things that we try to do here with our young guys is try to expose them to, to, to different ways. You know, hey, maybe we try lifting, you know, on a practice day. See how that feels for you. You know, do you feel like your body was, you feel like you had enough time to recover? Do you feel like you were ready to play in the game? you know, Oh, okay. Well, okay, good. Well, maybe we can start doing that. Maybe we split up, you know, and since, you know, your minutes have been like this and we're looking at your train, you know, your load has been kind of high. So I know we have scheduled a lift today. You know, all we're going to focus on today is, you know, some core and some, and some upper body maintenance. Okay. So that's going to be your lift today. And I think like we're looking at the schedule, there may be an opportunity to get your lower body in on this day. How does, how does that sound? Okay. All right. Great. So again, it's always so it's like having those conversations and trying to, you know, give that young athlete, if we use them as an example, you know, just like, look, the, the week ahead looks like this. Cause those young athletes, all they're focused on for the most part is that, that day. They, they don't see that we're traveling and we're going to get in late. And then we have, we're going into three games in five days. And those opponents, you know, those are going to be physical gains for that athlete at that position. So we know their workload on the court is going to be high. So we're trying to manage fatigue, you know, outside of those playing environments. So there's just a lot of things that goes into decision making that decides, you know, when we lift, you know, those athletes or or what their training looks like.
0: Right. I'm curious, too. You mentioned that travel plays a big role into the strength and conditioning, especially with the NBA, where you could be going from, you know, Ohio, Cleveland there. Uh, all the way over to Philadelphia to play the 76ers down to Miami to play the heat and then back to Cleveland or something like that. So how do you adjust for the strength and conditioning while athletes are on the road and traveling? Do you give them more like body weight type stuff or are you using more like yoga type practices or,
1: you know, again, I think that's where it's important to have a big toolbox. You know, (laughs) you know, you have to be able to, to find exactly what this athlete, you know, likes and, and and what, and what they feel comfortable doing, you know, in season when they're going through, um, you know, the stress of, of playing and travel and also just, you know, the stress of life that over the last couple of years with the pandemic has impacted all of us, you know, so all of that's you know, you have to consider with our guys, um, again, some, you know, we'll, 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 we'll mix it up. It's, it's kind of hard to give you an answer because literally, you know, we have a roster with, you may have a, a 19, 20 year old, and you may have a guy that's 36 years old on the bench, right? And then they all need different things. So that 19-year-old, that you know, they're still developing. You know, they may have a very, um, you know, they do have a very young training age. You know, so there are some maybe, you know, complex or compound movements, you know, they're not ready for yet. So maybe a, a big part of their program is just trying to control their own body, you know? So that may be body weight movements or, you know, progressing to use bands or we're using, you know, dumbbells and working on, Symmetry, but you know between left and right and then you know, maybe they're doing very little you know barbell work or very little. uh, You know exercise, you know pulling you know pulling heavy loads. And it's just really on just figuring out exactly what that athlete is comfortable with what their playing load is you know what's the demand of them right now and making sure that we prescribe you know the right movements activity. Um, you know, that aligns with what they got to do. Because the most important thing when the season starts is basketball. That's the most important thing. So we can't get in the way of that or get focused on our goals as strength coaches. Hey, well, I want to say I got this young guy lifting 2.5, trap bar deadlifting 2.5 times his body weight. I want to be able to say that this guy came and he he can only do one pull-up. And now he's been with us for two months. Now he's doing 10 pull-ups. Like it looks great to be able to graphically present that and show that, but if if that's if that's not what that athlete needs at, at that time, you know, then we need to be aware of that and not force that.
0: Right, and I think that goes to your point of individualization of programs, right? And with the uh, sport of basketball or any sport in general, I think that's key because a lot of common exercises we give people are not necessarily the most sport specific, right? So going back to what we talked about earlier with injury prevention and that sort of thing, almost every baseball player, baseball team that I've worked with in the past, I'll say three, four months, does some kind of arm care routine, except all of their arm care routine is down with their shoulder down low and their elbow in 90 degrees of elbow flexion. So their elbows down by their side. And when you look at baseball players, they don't throw down here they don't throw the ball with their arm down by you know their waist they throw from up top it's an overhand overhead kind of throwing pattern so naturally it's the you know simple suggestion of hey instead of doing your you know rotator cuff exercises down here let's move it up into like a 90 90 uppercut type position because I can at least see that you're going to move through that position at some point in your throwing motion And if that's not doing it, then, Hey, let's move it back here or my arm, my elbows back by my side more. And I would imagine the same thing holds true with basketball, right? Like you look at a guy like a point guard, who's probably pulling, you know, 12, 15 shots a game. He's going to need to be a lot more strong and stable in that shooting position. Whereas someone like a center, like, you know, Shaq comes to mind for me. Like you didn't see Shaq pulling up and hitting three pointers that often, right? But Mm -hmm. you see him going up in the paint and pulling down, you know, every kind of rebound he can get, blocking shots, that sort of thing. So naturally, a guy like him would need to be stronger and he would need to be good at jumping, but also landing, because if you can't take the force of a seven foot, 300 pound guy coming down over and over and over again across, you know, a a long game like that, that could potentially put you in a uh a position we don't want to be in for lack of a better way to put it.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, it all, you know, it all starts with that needs analysis, you know, just kind of basic, you know, one-on-one understanding of where to start, you know, your programming and, you know, really understanding, you know, the sport and, you know, the movements, the energy systems that you're going to be working in and the muscles, you know, primarily use injuries, most common injuries as well too. So again, you factor in all those things and then you got to also understand that you're dealing with the person. And you got to figure out what they feel comfortable with. And if there's, you know, restrictions or, you know, um, tightness in certain areas, mobility restrictions, and you try to force or load them in, into patterns that they don't have the range range of motion for, you know, you're probably going to have some, you know, some issues. Uh, so again, it's just, you know, um, the higher up you go, you know, just, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, responsibility and risk, you know, that you got to be smart about, um the cost to benefit ratio, you know, when you're, you know, prescribing, you know, certain exercises, you know, with guys or, you know, um, recommendations. But again, we're, I'm a part of a team. So a great thing with that is that, you know, we can speak collectively as a group and say, hey, like, this is what I'm seeing, you know, what are you seeing? Um, again, if I'm, if I'm missing something, or if you, if you think there's something that I, you know, we need to add or take away, you know, um, you know, you got to be able to ask those questions and people got to be able to know that they can come and talk to you you know, at least get an idea of of why you chose to do this. And again, maybe, maybe they don't necessarily, maybe they would do it differently, but at least if you can justify and have a plan in place and be willing to change if you need to, you you can probably coexist pretty well.
0: Right, right. Exactly. Derek, this has been an amazing conversation about your own journey and backstory all the way up to where you are currently. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or any kind of lessons that you really want listeners to remember and take away?
1: Yeah, I would just say just um, just keep having fun. You know, again, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things, you know, going on, you know, right now in life. And, um, again, I think it's important just to continue to, to take care of yourself. If, if you want to continue to, to thrive and give or you want to be in this sport, you got to take care of yourself first. Um, so making sure you're making time, you know, for yourself, whether it's, you know, meditation in the morning, you know, or or reading, you know, at night before bed, or if it's, you know, taking your walks or, or your own workouts or, you know, eating, you know, eating healthy so you can go just make sure that you don't lose sight of yourself, you know, on your journey to,
0: to help others. I love that. Can't pour from an empty cup, as they say. Yeah, Absolutely. Derek, for people who want to find out more about you and keep up to date with you, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a strong, you know, social media presence. You know, I'm, I'm on Instagram, you know, very simple, you know, Derek Millinder. Um, again, I don't, I don't, you know, post a ton, but uh, I am a part of the, the NBSCA, which is our National Basketball Street and Conditioning Coaches Association. And, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that group. We have our, our Instagram, you know, handle, um, we're actually, we actually have a conference, uh, that's early next month. I think it's, um, July 13th. Um, it's a virtual conference where it's going to be, you know, quite a few NBA strength coaches speaking on a variety of topics. I'll be speaking on isometrics, you know, at the conference. So, um, again, if you get a chance, you know, check us out, uh, July 13th.
0: Awesome. Excited for that. Derek, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and for you sharing all your insight and knowledge that you've gained throughout your experiences. I appreciate it. Thank you. Best of luck to all you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Broad Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time.